This is The Spark. I'm Martha Woodruff. Charlottesville's Kelly Figueroa Ray participates in women's roller derby. She also holds a Master's of Divinity from Wesley Theological Seminary. And as a graduate student at the University of Virginia, works as a research assistant with a project on lived theology. Ms. Figueroa Ray began life in California as a child of privilege and non-practicing Unitarians. But then, when she was about 14, her parents dropped her off at a local Methodist church offering interesting youth activities, thinking she might find some nice neighborhood friends, which she did. But she also found Jesus in a life-informing, rigorous, demanding way. Kelly went on to UC Berkeley, planning to be a scientist but a C-minus in organic chemistry put the kibosh on that. So she switched to development studies of third world countries. This led her to immersion experiences in Spanish-speaking cultures and countries that yanked her, she says, out of her comfort zone. During seminary, Kelly did her practical ministerial internship at First Methodist Church, Hyattsville, Maryland, where she worked with the Reverend Vance P. Ross, who is black, and with the Reverend Dr. Miguel Balderas from Mexico, who became her mentor. My intuition in seeing those two pastors work together in the multicultural community and contextualizing the gospel so that the people of the community who were from all different places, from the Caribbean, from Africa, African-Americans, Hispanics, started coming to this church um, and, you know, becoming a multicultural community in a church that, you know, is one of the white Methodist churches. I don't know if you knew this, but Methodist churches were segregated And this church was a white church. And actually, when Martin Luther King died, a congregant stood up and was said something to the effect of being glad that he was dead. So So this church. It's been lily white not so long ago. Right. And, you know, now it's been transformed into this multicultural church. And to be in that space and to be, you know, discipled um, by someone from a different culture, you begin to experience a type of humbleness. Um, You know, when you come from where I come from, you're told you can do anything and everything because, you know, I I am a white, amazing person and I can go help, you know, people that need to be helped. Right. You know, I went into an African fellowship meeting and I went in there and they were just arguing and like doing things how I wouldn't do it. And I went in and I just took over. Right. And then I went back and I was all proud of myself and I told Pastor Miguel and I was like, yeah, you know, I just did this. And he's like, you completely failed. What was your reaction? Um, I mean, every time this happened, I'd be shocked. But once it happens, you know, 50,000 times and you kind of get beat down, you start to see what is happening. And you're talking about a useful humility, yes. not a groveling no, humility. No, no. But you know what? I mean, I, I definitely value the, the idea of submission. And I know that's not popular. And I'm not talking about women to men. I'm talking about people who are in power. If they do not experience a process of submission, um, they are probably hurting people. I'm curious about where your faith came, came from. You're tooling along yep. a, a, an entitled, privileged yep. uh, young woman with yep. the, the keys to the all-American kingdom. Oh, yeah. 
And uh, without any uh, any relationship with God, the scriptures, right. and anything. And now not only are you a person of faith, but you are a person of faith who relies on one book. Right. right. So uh, how do we get from there to here? Huh. Well, um, I mean, I see this whole process that I was just uh, talking about as... Um, saving my life. I mean, in terms of, I mean, I really believe I was a destructive person. I was, you know, it doesn't with, seem with your destructive. Ar- with your arrogance? I mean, I don't um, know if people um, would describe me as arrogant before. I, I think it's way more mundane. You know, it's way more mundane. We we think of, I term it white supremacy. Like we, we think of white supremacy, we think of people burning crosses or doing crazy sort of racist things. And I really think it's just people who happen to have power who've never had to live in a situation where they have not had power. And if you don't choose to give up some of that power in some way, you're hurting people. Like you're talking over people. You're taking things over that shouldn't be yours. Even when you fight for justice, you're not letting people have their own voice and fight for justice in the way that they want their own justice to happen. So that process of seeing, I mean, honestly, this process at First United Methodist Church of seeing sort of, I would call the spark of the kingdom of God. It wasn't a perfect place, but there were people from all over but there the was world going on there. worshiping together and fighting and like, you know, you know, being people. But we were all there and there was this, this energy of wanting to learn the gospel and to share it and to love people. And, and to become more Christ-like as disciples, not just to come and, you know, do a kind of social club, but to actually manifest God's presence in the world. And this experience, um, once you've had it, it's very hard to let it go. And, and the, the problem is, is that most churches are not like that. What I do is I, you know, work with the rest of my life trying to witness to that experience and wherever I can to cultivate it in tiny ways or, you know, through my work as a PhD student. Without taking things over. Yeah, no, I can't go into my new church and be like, all right, you guys are doing this all wrong. OK, <laughs> this is not the kingdom of God experience that I've had. You're absolutely right. It's, it's more of like, you know, Kingdom of God shows up when the kingdom of God wants to. Like, you cannot make that happen. You just have to constantly, like, buckle down and do what God calls you to do. What have I missed? Um, roller derby? <laughs> <laughs> the reason we came here? We can't, we can't do everything. Oh, no, we can't do that part. <laughs> but, uh, anything you want to say in particular, though? Um, well, I, you know, when you ask me if there's hope, (laughs) I think roller derby is, is a hopeful thing. Um, so, and, and when I say that the church can learn from it, I, I am being completely serious because they know how to disciple, they know how to train people and they train from within and they lift up the female figure, not just as a human being, but as a woman in all of our womanly capacity and strength. And I think the church is horrible at this. If you want to be a leader in the church, generally, you have to, you know, be more like a man. It's, or you have to be a, like a woman, but then you do women things. You can't just be a strong, sexy woman and and be um, a child of God And generally. Uh, so roller derby does a really good job, I think, of 
of lifting that up and and also providing role models for people like my daughter, you know, because the role models she has now, um, you know, out there in magazines or whatever, I it's, you know, she's, I know she's going to be a cheerleader because she's beautiful, but, you know, I don't want her to understand that she has to be a particular weight or look a particular way to be an awesome person. And I think roller derby just allows for all sorts of variants in how you look and, but everyone is awesome and, and beautiful. My thanks to Peter Gross for introducing me to Kelly. You'll find a link to all Kelly Figueroa Ray's Huffington Post essays, as well as a link to UVA's Project on Live Theology on the Spark page at WMRA.org.